0: Whispers in the Trees is a dark podcast focusing on the great white north, surrounding all of the grisly truths from the kindest place on earth to the head-scratching unknowns hidden beneath the snow. My name is Mads, and join me today on a deep dive into the crimes of Evelyn Dick. Today's case will involve murder, child abuse, and violence. Viewer discretion is advised. These are my Whispers in the Trees. You cut off his legs, you cut off his arms, you cut off his head. How could you, Mrs. Dick? How could you, Mrs. Dick? A popular chant often sang by the children in Ontario, even to this day, bringing fond memories to many that grew up singing it. I wish I could say that it isn't what it seems, but trust me, it is. On March 16th, 1946, a group of kids were hiking along a trail on the Hamilton Mountains. This is located in the Niagara Enscarpment. What they found was what they thought was a dead pig. They got closer to it, then looked at it, they realized it wasn't a pig at all. It was a man's torso with two gunshot wounds. Born October 13th, 1920, Evelyn Dick was born to Scottish immigrants Donald and Alexandra McLean, the couple moving to Ontario, Canada, a year after the baby was born. Donald was known to be an abusive alcoholic working for the Hamilton Street Railway as a streetcar conductor, and stealing from the company so the family could afford living above their means. He was so willing to steal from the company, they were able to afford to send Evelyn to a private Catholic school and get her a decent education. One upside to this, I guess. This was the only place she saw other children, as her parents thought she was too fragile to be playing in the streets. So let me get this straight. She's too fragile to be playing with other kids, and she can't be playing outside. But, on the other hand, her mother, Alexandra, she was a woman who encouraged her daughter to then use her looks to move up in life, telling Evelyn to entice men to get them to give her gifts such as furs and jewelry. On the downside of this, by 1944, Evelyn had fallen pregnant three separate times. In 1942, she gave her daughter to her parents. Her second pregnancy ended in stillbirth, and her third in 1944 ended in her claiming to hand the baby over to the Children's Aid Society for adoption. Her father didn't want another one in their home, and Evelyn couldn't care for the infant. So, after this, summer 1945, Evelyn met a Russian immigrant named John Dick. He was a streetcar driver, he was 15 years her senior this time, and she didn't give a shit. She, for some reason, believed he was making enough money to support her and her extravagant lifestyle, which is really all that she cared about. She told him she was the widow of a Canadian naval officer who died in World War II, which was a lie, and after only a few weeks, the couple were engaged and married on October 4th, 1945. Evelyn's parents did not approve of this marriage and refused to attend the wedding. Yikes. Oopsies. Not a great start. As soon as Evelyn realized that John was not as financially well off as she thought he was, she ditched him. Bye! Of course she did. She went straight to another man named Bill Bohusuk. I'm sorry, I know I'm probably butchering this name, but I'm really bad with names. Please forgive me. Despite her affair with Bill, John really wanted the marriage to work and convinced Evelyn to move in with him. They tried to make the rocky relationships move out, but it was hard with Evelyn's continued affair with Bill and multiple other men. Soon enough, John had enough and left the house and moved in with his cousin for a while. He probably would have kept the house and kicked Evelyn out, but the house at the time was in Evelyn's name. John then tried to talk to Evelyn's father about calming her down, trying to turn her into a respectable wife. Roll eyes, but it was the time. Everyone take a breath. Donald, of course, said no, since he didn't like John to begin with. Remember, he and Alexandra did not attend the wedding because they were against him and his daughter getting married to begin with. What Donald didn't expect from this was John to then threaten to go to the police about Donald's theft from the Hamilton Street Railway. This was supposed to be a family secret, but Evelyn had told her husband the secret early on in their relationship. Donald threatened John's life at this, but John went to the police with the threat. John was then last seen March 6, 1946, and was reported missing in the first week of March. I could not find the actual specific date that he was reported missing, I could only find that it was the first week of March. So I guess probably March 7th or March 6th. When the remains found on March 16th were confirmed to be John's, the police immediately went to Evelyn. They were invited in the house by Evelyn's mother Alexandra and sat at the table to have tea. As Evelyn came in the room, the police began to stand up and before they could even tell her why they were there. Before they could even get a word out, her voice rang through the silence. Don't look at me. I don't know anything about it. She, of course, denied everything. But the police searched her home. In the attic, investigators found a suitcase filled with cement. And when they chipped into the cement, they found the body of an infant, which later proved to be Evelyn's son, Peter, the one she claimed to give to the Children's Aid Society for adoption. Detectives found a pipe with bullet holes in it, saws, a gun, and John's bloody shoes in the basement of Evelyn's family's home. And then in the home that Evelyn and John shared, bits of John's uniform and human bone fragments were found in the coal furnace. And in the seats of Evelyn's Packard, they were covered in blood, which later proved to have the same blood type as John himself. Remember, at this time, they didn't have DNA evidence. They could only collect the blood and find blood type. They couldn't find DNA or anything more than that. It was still early on in these kinds of studies. At this point, Evelyn changed her story from not knowing anything to an Italian gangster killing John. Then when the police didn't fall for this, she blamed her lover, Bill. Then she blamed John himself, because that makes so much sense. You can shoot yourself in the torso twice and then somehow chop off all of your limbs and your head. Because that makes so much sense. She then said a man that she didn't know just showed up with the torso and made her drive it to the dump site. Again, so much sense. Evelyn, Donald, Alexandra, and Evelyn's lover Bill were charged with the murder of John, and Evelyn and Bill were charged with infanticide. Also, yes, Donald was charged with the theft from the Hamilton Street Railway Company. Starting October 7th, 1946, at Hamilton's Wentworth County Courthouse, Evelyn's attorneys had her trial separate from the others and tried to make her look like a naive, attractive woman who couldn't possibly be able to hurt a fly, much less commit a murder. Trust me, I'm rolling my eyes. It's the forties, babe go with it. I'm rolling my eyes with you. Alexandra agreed to testify against her daughter for immunity, and she took the stand, saying that Evelyn had been away from the home for a prolonged series of time on the last day John had been seen, March 6th. She claimed that her husband owned a large butcher's knife and a handgun that could have possibly been used, and she claimed that on March 8th, Alexandra had asked her daughter if she knew what had happened to John. Evelyn responded that they wouldn't be seeing him around any longer. Despite it being mostly circumstantial evidence used in court against her, the jury found Evelyn Dick guilty of murdering John Dick, and she was sentenced to death. Fun fact, Canada had the death penalty until 1976. I didn't know that, and I'm Canadian. Her attorney successfully appealed the case, and it was taken over by the lawyer John J. Robinette a defense attorney who would later become famous for his skill in the courtroom due to the defense tactics used in this trial and the other trials connected to it. He made a strong case that Donald may have been the true murderer, and this time Evelyn was found not guilty. For God's sakes, I'm, I'm not even. Really? She was found not guilty. Donald was found guilty of accessory to murder and sentenced to five years and five years for the thefts. Bill was cleared of all charges. For the murder of baby Peter, Robinette brought in a psychiatrist that testified that due to her traumatic childhood, Evelyn only had the mental capacity of a 13-year-old. She was found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to life in prison. But get this. She only served 11 years in the Kingston Penitentiary before she was released in 1958. She changed her name, and she vanished into nothing. She was supposed to report to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and they chose to respect her privacy. They were supposed to check in on her. Every so often, just to make sure she was still following the rules, she wasn't getting into trouble. And as far as I know, a handful of them did for a little while. But after that, they just let her drop off the face of the off the face of the earth her estranged daughter doesn't even know where she is she doesn't even know what her mother's name was changed to she doesn't know her mother's true identity anymore that's how much of a secret this is no one can find out what happened to Evelyn Dick she's probably dead because of the fact that she would be 101 years old considering she was born in 1920. But even then, it's such a secret that no one knows. It's incredible. So what do we learn from this? I can't tell you. I sure hope we aren't looking to past criminals who didn't even complete their sentences to tell us it's a bad idea to commit the same crimes. If you aren't ready for a baby, please use protection. Whatever is safest and most accessible for you. I support hoeing. As long as you host safely, and so we can prevent crimes like this. If you or anyone else are suffering from violence, please reach out for help at your local helplines. Anyone in Canada can find their own province-specific helplines at www.cawncanada.net forward slash issues forward slash crisis dash hotlines forward slash. Again, that's www. dawn net forward slash issues forward slash crisis dash hotlines forward slash if you or someone you know is suffering from a mental health crisis or just need someone to talk to you can dial 833-456-4566 for the Canadian Suicide Prevention Hotline. They are open 24-7 365 a year, and if you feel it is more severe, please dial 911 or visit your local emergency room. You are not alone, and you deserve all of the help that you need, even the help that you feel you don't deserve you need. Again, the Canadian Suicide Prevention Hotline is 833-456-4566. Thank you for listening, and stay safe out there.